this podcast is brought to you by Midwinter. These guys were a startup, an entrepreneurial startup some 10 years ago, way before it was even cool to be a tech startup, and have since then gone on to win every single award year after year after year when it comes to financial advice software. I use them. Um, I know a lot of people that have, and if you haven't already jumped onto the new way of doing business, which is all cloud-based and API, so it all talks to each other, then go look at yourself in the mirror and sort yourself out and go get Midwinter. Welcome, everybody, to uh, this week's XY Live. We are joined by the AU Money Dad, Brenton Tong, and of course, Phil Thompson, uh, as always. Uh, We're going to be discussing a couple of things for financial advisors today about how we can be more entrepreneurial. I think that's a major thing that Brenton does really, really well. Um, And he's also been, he's a young guy. He says he's old, but he's young. You're not even 40 yet, mate. You've been doing advice for a long, long time. And you've said to me before, you know, if, uh, if actual advisor was around when you were starting out, you probably could have crammed 10 years of mistakes into six months. Yep. Um, so I know, I know that you're a, you're a big fan of what we've been doing here. Um, but let's start with the very first question, which is, mate, give us sort of in a, in a minute, if you can fit it in, um, a little bit of your uh, small empire that you're growing uh, in addition to your business? Sure, not a problem. So I, um, I, I'm i sure I've got ADD, so I'm, I'm actually very easily distracted. So as a result of that, I've gotten into quite a few things over the years. So back when I was about 24, I thought I can do a much better job of this. So uh, I went out, traveled around the world, came back and set up my own business and learned pretty damn quickly that there's a lot, lot more to it than just giving it but over the years, I've seen a lot of gaps with regards to how financial advice actually works. So bit by bit, um, we've added to the financial advice business with mortgages, with real estate, with a dealer group, um, and a few other bits and pieces over that period of time. Yeah, yeah. And and just quickly, um, just because uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, I love the fact that you're listing the dealer group that you started. Mate, can you just give us a very brief uh, uh, expose on that? Yeah, sure. Not a problem. It's... Um, uh, it, I guess it's not common knowledge, actually. But um, so uh, right. many, many years ago, I, uh, I set up a dealer group um, and uh, tried running that. And it's an admin job and uh, I'm not particularly good at admin. So uh, I had a second crack at it. Um, and uh, one thing which I've actually learned uh, a lot uh, just over the probably the past six or seven years is that partnerships can work really, really well. So um, I've always been a bit of a sole crusader. I've always thought I can do all this myself, but um, had an Oh, I think we may have lost you. <laughs> Chloe. I'm like, no. I'm dying to hear what this opportunity is. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! What's the opportunity? There's a, there's a big opportunity. <laughs> we all want to know, <laughs> Chris. Sensitive opportunity. Too sensitive. Too sensitive. His business manager just pulled the cord out. And said, "No, don't tell him that." <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not common knowledge. Uh, uh, boom! This interview is over. All right, uh, let's. He was, he was on a really good roll there. He was on a really good <laughs> he's, he's, back, he's back on the live. Okay, here he is. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. 
And we're back. Hey, mate. How are we doing? Can you hear us? All right, guys, can you hear me? I've lost you yes. both. Yeah, you can. You can hear me. I'm going to dial in. Can you can you hear us, Branson? Because we can all see you and hear you. <laughs> <laughs> What's this opportunity? It's killing me. We can see and hear you. Thanks, everyone, for uh, yeah, I know, poor internet connection. All right. Uh, yeah, he's got poor internet signal. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, so look over the um over the past few years we've got opportunities really of equity to, to pick up a few more people here and there. So um we've hit uh, we're just about to hit three hundred. Uh, so we're seeing it about two hundred and eighty uh, at the moment. Um and this is advisor. Yeah, yeah advisor the dealer, dealer group. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've actually got very little to do with the day-to-day running of that business these days. So um, generally what happens is uh, if there's a problem, um, quite often the guys will give me a call, uh, and that, that's pretty much it really. So yep. actually you know, running a dealer group on a day-to-day basis just doesn't have a great deal of interest to me because uh, I'm just not a paperwork guy. Yeah, yeah, look, makes sense. All right, so just to cut through a little bit here um, with respect to time, um, mate, what's been the core source of engine of, of growth of, of all the different parts of your business, but mainly the, um, the financial planning part? So, well, the, the, there's probably two big parts that really have made a massive difference. So back in, uh, back in 08, uh, we decided to significantly rejig what we were actually doing. So we've always had an element of independence and fee-for-service, and we've never been a big fan of the... Um, I guess the the rap style uh, way of doing business. So um, back in 08, we we decided to cut out um, all the commissions and um, start uh, just putting every single person under a fee agreement. And look, probably the, the first nine months while we were, we were fine tuning that was um, was really really hard. A lot of the guys had some hassles um, trying to I guess get across that value proposition. But bit by bit, we started getting there. And what we found is that that process really just strips away. A lot of the questions and a lot of the problems that clients have had with regards to, so why are you telling me this? Is this really the right advice? And what we find is generally clients don't ask for a second opinion when they come here. So that means you can just cut straight through, give the right advice, but you can start building that relationship really, really well. Probably the second major um, thing that, that happened to me was one of the one of the guys who was working for me. Um, we got along really, really well. And... Um, I found that he had a, a real knack for just understanding culture and people. And um, he started actually getting the, the, the team who was working for me at the time just to perform a little bit better. He started doing the recruitment for me. So after not too long a period of time, I, I took him on as a, as a business partner. And, um, you know, that's that's probably allowed the, the business to grow substantially more simply because um, I'm a bit of a numbers geek. Um, he's a bit of a, a, a people person. The two of us together, um, you know, we've, we've, we've built a really, really powerful team, and it's actually the team that has allowed us to, to grow the business rather than actually just, you know, slogging it out ourselves. 
Okay, so more culture. Um, you're basically saying your culture's there. Um, I guess one of the things that we wanted to touch on today was making advice remarkable. And, and, and I know that's been a, a, a big part of what we've talked about. Um, so can you give us a little idea of, A, what you mean by that, um, and B, how can it improve our businesses? And then finally, C, how can it improve uh, financial advice? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think there's, there's two levels when I think about making advice remarkable. There's in your own practice and there's as, as an industry. And it, it saddened me a little bit when people talk about the financial planning industry, um, because when you think about the people who we like to compare ourselves to, you know, lawyers and uh, accountants and the like, you know, that's always referred to as a profession, yet we're still in the industry. But on a, uh, on a micro level, when, when you're talking to your clients, there's a lot of same old. Um, you know, people these days, they know what the banks do. They know the, the product push. And uh, a lot of them go into a financial planner thinking quite narrow, narrowly. And um, what I've found is, is by really engaging with people and understanding them as people, being able to provide a really broad solution. So not just gives you money put it into folio, but actually helping people to fix the risk, whether it be their banking, their budget, their credit cards. Um, last night, I, I spent 20 minutes just talking to my clients about how they can help their kids because they thought paying off the hex debt was a good idea um, instead of, you know, providing financial incentives to the kids to build good habits such as savings um, and setting them up right. um, in, a, in a much more robust way. So there's so much that we could be doing just on a micro level to really engage with our clients and have broader conversations about the issues which are genuinely affecting them. I now find myself a, a fair bit when I when I do talk to people <clears throat> that um, through, I guess, some of my friends, um, my wife, for example, who's quite active on social media, um, I, I see a lot of people starting to ask questions such as, you know, um, a financial planner's worth it. Does anyone know a good financial planner? You know, those, those kind of questions being posted. And usually the response is, is really terrible. Um, they're not worth the time. You should go do it yourself. Just go buy a property. All the answers are online. They're just going to flog your product. Um, it, there's no wonder why less than one in five people in Australia actually seek advice. And um, so I think we owe it to ourselves for our own businesses, but also to, I guess, all those other advisors out there who are trying to you know, build something exceptional and, and, um, and great for themselves, that um, every time we touch a client, we should just leave that little bit of, of, a, of an idea that, you know, this is more than just insurance so that next time that they're out there talking to somebody, um, they can actually say, look, yeah, I, I saw a planner and it, it's not what I was expecting. And they helped me to fix the problems I actually have rather than just put me into some life insurance. And if each yeah. one of us just give every client that we touch just that slightly better experience, then you know, hopefully one day in the not too distant future, we're going to be in a situation where at the proverbial weekend barbecue, someone mentions financial planner and a few people actually pop and go, yeah, they're really, really good. And, you know, we're all out there, you know, marketing and, and, and fighting for our little bit of market share. But just imagine, just imagine if that 20% odd of people who are getting advice, that increases by 5%. That's a 25% increase of the number of clients available to us. And the, the, the number of planners out there is not increasing by 25% anytime soon. And it would be such an easy thing to do. Um, but it requires stepping a bit out of your comfort zone and, and probably thinking a little bit more broadly. Mate, excellent. And probably a last question from me before we hand across uh, to Phil. 
And that is just on something you've said. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. A uh, really great book. It's from the 90s. I uh, recommend that everyone have a look at it. And one of it is um, once something is in the mind of a consumer, like uh, on, on mass, it's almost impossible to, um, to rejig that. So, I mean, there's a million business cases of companies trying to come in and do something that they haven't done before or change a, a view of the public that that's just proved impossible. Um, I would put it to us that it, we are uh, it's number 17 out of 30 on list of professions. Um, if, if we've got that negative taint to us already, is there anything that we can do? Um, because according to this book, there probably isn't. And, and if you are, you kind of have to really do something substantial um, and to smash through the psyche on mass. Um, is it, do you think sort of on the spot and big question, is there anything that we can do in that, well, in that regard? I, I do think there is actually, but it is a, it's, I, I liken it more to hand on hand combat. Um, so right. it's as a, as an industry, you know, could we, you know, build a you know, $200 million fund just to go, you know, TV, social media, absolutely blanket the entire country with advice is good. I don't think it'll do a thing. Um, I think with regards yep. to you know, the brands that you're talking about who've got um, that, that negative uh, vibe about them, just hitting them with a, a message, I, I don't think actually does it. I think it, the, the way to combat this really is person by person. And there are... Yeah, okay, so directly... Well, there's, the there's client, to sure. the clients, but there's also, as I said, you know, just building those experiences. So, you know, marketing, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, celebrity endorsement. There's a lot of, you know, referral marketing. It, it really is about one person telling another. So it's, um, it's a matter of, you know, I think creating those good experiences and actually making sure people see a sense of value in what it is we're actually doing. So that next time someone does something that they're, they're impassioned enough when there's negativity around to actually put their hand up and say, well, actually, I think you guys are wrong. And people will follow people um, a lot, uh, a lot more than what they're going to follow. Just a, a blank message uh, that we can actually put out there on mass. Sure, great, mate. Thank you very much for your time. Um, Phil's been sort of jotting down some questions and, and garnishing them from the side comments. So I'll leave it over to you guys. All right. Uh, so there was a question from Adrian, uh, and he asked. Uh, what have you found that is the most effective way to communicate your value proposition? And I'll kind of take you back to 08, 09, where you see you removed all commissions and it was a little bit of a struggle to kind of communicate that. And what are some of the things that you learned in your business uh, that you found was really effective? Okay, so the, um, the the value proposition these days just just rolls off the tongue, and it's been a constant evolvement. And uh, yeah, it probably wouldn't be a good idea to, to I guess work out exactly how we arrived there. Um, we haven't really thought about it too much. But um, the one thing which clients are constantly saying is that um, yeah, they they feel like we get them, um, and that's just taking the time. So it's not even about you know say this line, and all of a sudden people just go, oh well, that's fantastic. Where do I sign up? But what, what we find works really, really well, just making sure when a client leaves that there's probably two key things um, that they're thinking when they walk out of the office. One is that guy really got us. You know, he, he actually understood the problems. He didn't gloss over everything so he can get to his agenda. So you know, the clients always feel like we're taking the time to understand what their problems are, what their life is, uh, and, and where it is they want to take them. Um, and the second thing is just, again, 
because we've been taking this angle for such a long time. You just build up an absolute armory of you know ideas and solutions um, and, and ways to, I guess, uh, talk about things. And if, if a client comes to you and they go, look, you know, my biggest problem is I can't save. And if your solution to that is, well, here's a savings plan into a perpetual fund, um, they're going to walk out of here just going, yeah, he just didn't quite get it. But if you then work out the fact that they, they've got no visibility on their bank account because you know, they run everything through a credit card and everything's completely misaligned, if you can actually just identify that and go, look, I think this is the problem. And if they walk here just going, you know, that's the first time I've ever heard anything that actually appeals to us that seems to make sense, then you've, um, you've provided something of value um, and then that person, I guess, is, is probably just going to engage with you a, a little bit more thinking, well, you know, if they've nailed that, they can probably nail everything else and they have taken the time to understand us. So it, it's not a short process. Um, you know, quite often it'll take us uh, two hours to get to the point where a client's um, happy to sign. Um, but that's, you know, you've got to make a call as to whether or not, you know, they're, they're the right type of client for you. And that's probably another important thing which I've learned as well is that not every client's going to be right for you. Um, yeah, back in the early days, me and a desk for me. Um, whereas these days, you'll see and you'll get excited by a client when you go through their situation. You have a bit of a chat with them, and you can you actually get excited, and they can see that, and you go, oh, "I can do some great things for you." Um, they'll see that, they'll engage with it. Then you're actually building up a, a client base of people who you love working with, people who you're delivering exceptional value to. Um, and that'll that'll flow through, and you know, they'll talk to their friends, and you get referrals, and it just builds up from there. Mm. Yeah, great. Um, I've got one more question. If you've got any other questions, guys who are watching, um, just chuck them out now. My my last question was: um, given this topic is about making advice remarkable, I'd love just one really tactical thing uh, that you do with every single client that you feel is probably sets you apart from. Uh, others in the industry um, and and that you feel gives uh, remarkable advice? So, well, I don't really know what everyone else out there is, is doing in the industry, and I'm sure there's a lot of other guys who are actually doing the exact same thing that, that I am. Um, and it could just be that I've, I've been doing it for a fair bit longer. But um, through, it's always you know, the first 20, 30 minutes, obviously, is, is your first chance to make a, a good impression. Um, and then just those first couple of meetings to really drive home that, that you understand them. But it's it's not focusing on the money is, is probably the biggest thing. So, you know, most people, they, they might worry about their money and they worry about their budget and their retirement savings and their mortgage and, you know, the kids and, and all that kind of stuff. While it can be worry for them, yet they probably don't spend a great deal of time thinking about it. And um, so, you know, probably the, the one thing is that... Uh, you know, when you go through the fact find say, great, now I know the numbers, you know, I just pushed that to the side and said, now I want to know you. Um, you know, what keeps you up at night? What drives you? What things excite you? Um, where are your problems? Um, and I spend a fair bit of time talking to people just about their lives. We even ask them um, simple things such as, you know, when you were a kid, how did your parents handle money? What did they teach you? What type of things are you doing today, which are as a result of, of what you learned as a kid? You know, do we have to reprogram some of those? Do we need to address some of those? Um we, we really get pretty deep with regards to who they are and how they're in. And it's not about the numbers. So the numbers will sort themselves out. Um, you know, super, super, property's property. It's all relatively straightforward. 
and um, you know, to to the client, it's all quite foreign to them. But yeah, you just push the numbers aside because you'll work them out. Um, but try to try to work out the person, try to work out who it is you're actually dealing with, and they'll they'll walk out of here just really feeling great that someone's listened to them, um, and it makes a massive difference. Yeah, I always joke about as advisors, we are, we're half half financial advisors, half like counsellors or therapists half the time in, I, with I their can, clients. I can still remember the first time I said to a client, and how does that make you feel? Um, and it's become a, a, it's become a pretty regular <laughs> thing, actually, um, to, to, to throw that back at people and actually talk about their feelings, you know, not talk about, you know, adjusted risk portfolios and things like that. I mean, they don't give it a um, But, you know, how does it make you feel? Does that excite you? Does it worry you? Um, because then every time that, that you put something to them, they're, they're not going to be shy of telling you what they think. And if clients are telling you what they think and what they feel, it's a great chance to actually help to deliver something that they're really, really going to get excited by. Um, and that leads back to just being exceptional. They're going to think that what you're doing is brilliant. They're going to talk to their friends. Um, now, whether or not that leads to a referral to you, um, you know, that's great. But in the grander scheme, as I said, you know, if we can just increase the number of people by a few percent who want to reach out to advisors, you know, if we can just get people just mentioning, yeah, I saw a plan that was really, really good, you know, just that one extra person is going to say, well, you know what, I'm going to have a crack at it. And hopefully they meet an XY advisor who's going to be able to, you know, deliver some value to them. Yeah, totally agree. Just last question will be really quick because we're running over time. Uh, it's from James Miller. Uh, he said, in the early days, what distribution strategies did you target and which have stood the test of time? I guess that's more like marketing. Is that mm. like, Well, um, the, I mean, the main marketing we've done has been client referrals. Um, you know, we've reached out to accountants and we've got you know, a couple of accountants who send us little bits and pieces of business. But I, I can actually track a lot of the clients back to it, it's almost like a family tree. Um, so back in 02, I had six clients because um, I took a year off uh, between my previous role and you know, most of my clients were gobbled up by all the other advisors for the firm that I was working for at the time. So I can track a lot of people back to those original six. And um, again, it's just by being, buying, by being relevant and providing value and just taking time with people and not just trying to cut through to, to the numbers. Um, you know, we've had more clients come to us just by recommendations from existing clients. But the other thing also is um, you know, just a few things which have worked really, really well. Um, I've made sure I'm never too busy. So even if I'm absolutely flat out, which often I am, if I'm ever speaking to a client, it's all good. I've always got time. I've always got, So I always want them to feel like they can approach me. But in addition to that, there's been a couple of occasions in the past where I've been flat out and clients have said to me, you know, oh, how's things going? I said, oh, absolutely flat out. Don't even have time to scratch my nose. Um, and I might catch up with them later and said, yeah, no, I, had a, I had a good mate who was looking for some advice, but you know, I didn't want to burden you because you sounded so busy. Um, so I sent them to somebody else. So yeah. you're just always being available, um, always being approachable, and at the same time, always asking the question. So I always make um, referrals and recommendations just part of my day-to-day -day talk with clients. So when they first come in, I often say to them, I want you to experience something really, really good here. And, you know, over time, you know, we look to build trust and really good relationships with our clients to the point where you're going to feel compelled to recommend us to people. And I'll say that in the very, very first meeting because it sets an expectation to the client that, one, we're trying to do something exceptional. Um, and you've got to meet that, obviously. So you've got to be careful of not over-promising. 
Um, but the second time is, especially when you get, when someone who's come to you is referral, they're already in that frame uh, frame of mind where, well, I was referred by my mates. So, you know, if this works, I'm going to refer my mates. So that's probably the thing that's worked the best in the, just making sure that that's just part of, Part of your vernacular, um, if you're building a business, you know we're trying to to build just that whole referral culture into our business at the moment, um, just to make sure that you know we go that extra mile. That we're always doing something that compels people to think, yeah, I, w- I want to send my mates here, and that's probably been the one thing that's worked more than just about anything. We've tried little bits and pieces here. Um, you know, we we've never had you know or never wanted to to. I guess putting you know, fifty hundred thousand dollars into you know an advertising campaign or something like that, but it's blunt. You know, if you've got that one client sitting in front of you who's a um, you know a board member or an executive manager or a professional, they're potentially a great client for you. And when they go back to work, they're going to be sitting next to or talking to the next great client, and they're just the people you want to go for. Whereas, yeah, you can just blanket the market with advertising. You don't know who you're going to get. It's going to take up all your time. Um, and then you have to answer the same question such as, you know, why should I trust you? And I've seen other advisors. It's so much easier when you just get someone to recommend someone to you. Yeah, awesome. Um, just we're going to finish up now. Thanks heaps, Brenton, uh, for the interview. Uh, just quickly, how do people contact you? If they want any more information about what they've heard, uh, how do they get in contact with you? <laughs> Not through Blab, obviously. Um, <laughs> Not accepted. Oh, uh, um, Twitter. Um, sorry, Brandon, we lost you for a bit of that. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Uh, look, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, apologies for our kind of technical glitches right at the start. Uh, over the next month, we run these every fortnight. Over the next month, we've got some great guests. Uh, next fortnight, who we got? We've got Catherine Gross from 12 Wealth. She is a financial advisor and a professional coach. Um, so she um, is doing some really exciting things. She only brings up a client if uh, she wants to do professional coaching and financial advice. Uh, and then after that, we have on the 29th of June, Paul Gilbert from Pinstripe Media. Uh, and he talks all about content marketing uh, and how Pinstripe Media, who is all about personal finance and small business, how they LinkedIn's um, probably the best, you know, running their media business. So really exciting stuff. Uh, over the next week, you'll see an email come out of a recording of this. Um, if you missed anything, uh, feel free to go back and watch it. Uh, thanks, Clayton, for running the interview, and thanks again for Brenton for being here. Absolutely. And to everyone, thank you for your patience as well. That was, that's fantastic. We're slowly getting there. (laughs) So thanks guys.